Awesome. Thanks, Dan, for praying. Uh, I'm going to pray a little bit more, and then we're going to jump into um, God's Word for us this morning. So, Father, we do thank you for the Word, as Dan's already prayed. We thank you uh, that you're opening our hearts, as Dan's already prayed. But as this series is about reaching our community for Jesus, we want to pray for that community this morning, Lord. Uh, As Jeremiah's words encourage us to pray, we pray for the peace and the prosperity of this city. Uh, this Yas Valley and its surrounds, Lord. We pray uh, for uh, the, the town that we live in, the villages that we live in in this area to be transformed in the name of Jesus and show us, the church, the way in how to be your body, your hands and your feet in that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have been talking uh, through our series, Each One Reach One. Uh, But it's so much more than a sermon series. It's our vision for the entire church to be engaged in the work of reaching the one for Jesus. Not just one person, but the one for Jesus. Uh, It's also, uh, the reason we're saying each one reach one is because the many is made up from the ones. It's about Jesus' heart to stop for the one. But it's also about each of us being engaged in that. So it's that vision, but it's also a strategy. It's our, it's our kind of trying to equip the church to reach those that we know that don't know Jesus. Uh, and so we're, we're launching it as a sermon series, but we're not going to shut up about this. We're not just going to do four weeks of sermons and then kind of move on and forget about it. This is going to be our ongoing strategy, our ongoing vision for the church. That's us. That's all of us here online. That's all of us. We are the church. We don't come to church. We are the church gathered. It's our vision, our strategy for all of us to reach one. So you'll be hearing more about it, but we're launching it in a sermon series. So last week we talked about faith. So the, the, the vision is each one reach one. The strategy is faith focused forward. So last week we talked about faith and beginning with our own faith, investing in our own faith, prioritizing our own faith so that others would see the value of it, so that what flows out of us is things that lead people to Jesus and so that we grow in confidence for the gospel. Uh, we didn't quite have them last week, but we've got them this week. That's what these Why Jesus booklets are about. That's one of the things we're inviting you to do is to take one of these booklets, invite is a weaker word than what we we strongly implore you, to take one of these booklets. It's only a few minutes long. Uh, It's only a few minutes read. uh, And um, encourage you to take that. And what Carl's encouraging us to do is do that daily. Take time daily to read this. It's It's designed as something to give to someone And after it's well-worn and tattered, then maybe you want to do that or buy another copy to give to someone. But what we want you to do with it is to get confident in the gospel, not just for your own salvation, but confident to share it with others. And so last week we talked about faith. This week we're talking about focused. We're talking about being focused. And, And what we're really encouraging you to be focused on is focused on others. So we start with our faith, but, but we want to be focused on others. And so the two things we want to do around that is to pray for others and to build relationships with others. Faith focused forward is about being focused on prayer and relationship with others. And so Joshua read for us this morning. I love when the kids read um, because they're not just the future of the church. They're the church now. 
But in that reading in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, the Apostle Paul says, I urge that uh, petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. Then the Apostle Paul has this kind of little side comment about praying for kings and rulers, those in authority, that we might live peacefully. But that's kind of a side comment. He's saying we should pray for all people, high and low. And then he says, this is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so the the emphasis here is on prayer for all people. But the the context is the gospel. We're not just praying that they would go well and have happy lives. We're praying that they would come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. Because that is God's desire. Pray for all people, high and low, because God wants them to be saved. And, and, and so when we're thinking about each one reaching one, when we're thinking about people coming to faith in Jesus, prayer is crucial. We must be praying for all people. The reason for this, we can see a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. The Apostle Paul says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, we've had that light shine into our hearts. We've come to a knowledge of the good news that saves us because God has shone that light into our hearts. But the God of this age... That's kind of Bible speak for the devil. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And so the reality that Paul's addressing here is that we have a spiritual adversary. Satan has a degree of power and authority in this age that is well and truly under that of God. But he does have that degree of power and authority and he's blinded the minds of unbelievers. And so we need to pray. It's not just about telling people about Jesus, it's partly about that, and we'll get to that next week, but but we need to pray for their eyes to be opened. We need to pray that the light would shine into the darkness. This touches on that reality that Paul talks about elsewhere. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual powers and authorities in in the heavenly realms. And so we need to pray for those that don't know Jesus, that their eyes would be open. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, likewise the Apostle Paul says this. He's talking about spiritual gifts here, but but I think the uh, emphasis goes beyond that. Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so we've got these two dynamics that that our enemy Satan is trying to blind the minds and the hearts and the eyes of unbelievers so that they can't see the good news of Jesus. And, and we've got this other reality that goes hand in hand that no one can actually come to faith apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart. They can't truly say Jesus is Lord, and of course Paul's not speaking against the actual speaking of the words. I don't know about you, but I hear people say Jesus' name all the time, but it's not actually a confession of faith. 
And so the Apostle Paul is saying, no one can come to a saving faith that Jesus is the Lord apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so prayer must be central in our aim to reach others with the love of Jesus. But it's not just praying for them. In Colossians chapter 2, I think I said the other week I'm bombarding you with scriptures, but I don't apologize for it. Same goes this morning. Colossians chapter, sorry, Colossians 4, chapter 4, verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, Devote yourself to prayer, be watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. And so the Apostle Paul is asking for the Colossian church to pray for him, but I think this should be a prayer that we all pray. We're praying for those that don't know Jesus, that their eyes would be open, that the Holy Spirit would work in them, that they come to a knowledge of the truth, that they can say, Jesus is Lord. But we're also praying for us, that God would give us opportunity, that we would be bold and speak the name of Jesus, testify to Jesus in that opportunity. And so we're focused on others through prayer, firstly. Second thing, we're focused on building relationships with others. And So this is what Jesus did. He didn't just pray, he built real relationships with people. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, Jesus is kind of recounting the accusations that people made against him. He says, the son of man, that's himself, came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. And so this wasn't about Jesus' dietary preferences but who we associated with. And so, like in our day, but even much more so in Jesus' day, who you ate with and who you drank with uh, was, was really about who you built relationship with. Eating and drinking today remains key for building relationships. And so he was criticised by the type of people he associated with. But as Jesus said, there was wis- wisdom in what he did. One of those moments that Jesus was criticised for is a few chapters earlier in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. And we're told that as Jesus went from there, you can read where he was coming from, it's not important for this context, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees, who were the super conservative religious types, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, and here's the wisdom, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go on and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so Jesus ate and drank with sinners. That's the label that the Pharisees gave them. What we're speaking about here is those that are outside of the religious circles, those who are outside of God's grace Outside of faith, that's who Jesus ate with. Jesus' word for them was the sick. Those in need of spiritual healing are those that need a doctor. And so he came to call them not the self-righteous, not those that think they're well by their own deeds. 
And so what Jesus did was instead of prioritizing his relationships towards those who were already in the in crowd of the religious establishment, he prioritized his relationships to those who were outside, to those who were lost. And he prioritized intimacy over the crowds. Yes, Jesus spoke to thousands, but his focus was on the few. For the sake of the many. His focus was on the the twelve and on Mary and Martha, on the few that they would lead many to faith. He didn't see the crowds as the place of leading people to faith. It was the few for the sake of the many. And so here's what we're calling the church to focus on. Focus on praying for others that don't yet know Jesus and focus on building relationships Real relationships, not bait-and-switch type relationships, with others that don't know Jesus. Uh, And so I'm going to hand over to Carl, and he's going to come and just encourage us around some habits and some concrete steps towards that. Thanks, Carl. Cool. So as Nick was saying, we want to talk about prayer and relationships. Um, Or in other terms, as I was thinking about it this week, um, prayer as your relationship with God and relationships in your relationships with others. But I want to ask first what you think about when we talk about, an, about effective prayer, or if you'd like it in Christianese, um, a thriving prayer life would be how we'd like to talk about that in church. But like, what, what do you think about? Are we thinking about like, like 25 Hail Marys and 40 Our Fathers? Are we thinking about... Extravagant prayers by eloquent people speaking with words that, to be honest, sometimes we don't even understand. All of those things may be, for someone, effective prayer. But whose prayer life are you comparing yours to? Who's that person you just kind of sit there and go, you know what, if I could just pray a little bit more like that person, I feel like I'd be better off. You know, that would be better prayer. But prayer's not a competition. Um, It's a relationship-building line of communication to God that knows you and sees you and loves you just as you are. Apparently, I need to include Bastion next time. Um, So we've chatted about habits over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Nick's talked about them. I've talked about them. Because habits are important, right? Habits that build and strengthen our faith, Habits that help us in our journeys to focus our faith forwards, as it says up on the screen there. Habits to help each one of us reach one. And really, one's not that many, is it? Um, so this week, I want to chat to you about habits that, can you, that you can utilise to strengthen your prayer life and build and maintain thriving relationships in your life. Because Jesus' focus was on relationships. And Nick, Nick was sharing that just before. He focused on prayer, so we should focus on those things too. All right, so Nick mentioned First Timothy and our calling to pray, and it uses the word urge. So it's not a, it's not a situation of Jesus sat there and just go, you know what, I'd, I'd like it if you maybe prayed a bit. Like Jesus said, this is really important. You need to do this. And that's just one example. The Bible calls you to pray again, and again, and again, and again. The word pray, and words like prayer, praying, all of those things are mentioned 375 times through the Bible. 
So if you just took each one of those and used that as a yearly target, you'd be praying more than once a day. However, that doesn't even start to take into account the times when the Bible talks about prayer without using the word pray. It refers to talking to God or communing with God or all of those things. So how often should we pray? Should we pray? And, you know, more appropriately, how often should you pray? Once a month? I don't know, twice a month? Yeah, yeah. Maybe once a week. Or maybe just when we're motivated. And I was talking about this last week, is sometimes we just go motivation to motivation. So, you know, when we're driving around, like I was yesterday driving around in Belconnen, Westfields, trying to find a park, there was definitely a prayer in there. Somewhat for peace, somewhat for a parking spot. Um, but as an indication, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us, and for those of you who have the Bible app and we're in it this morning, it's the verse of the day. So they obviously got that from me. Um, tells us to pray continually. Or in other translations, it says, pray without ceasing. So all the time. Like, don't stop praying is what that says. Not when should I start, but I shouldn't stop. So prayer should be one of the constants in our lives. It should be there all the time without fail. So the choice as to how to pray and how often, that's not something I can tell you how to do. I can, I can give you every indication to pray between 7am and 7.10am every morning, but what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. It's a choice you have to make yourself. And I think it's a choice that you have to make, more importantly. It's not one that you can avoid. But I do want to give you some concrete ideas about how to prioritise that habit. Because prayer is a habit. Firstly, I want to tell you to make a list. Right? This is, this is like high school stuff, right? Like people, we, we all got taught this when we were younger. Well, I mean... Obviously, some of the children, they haven't quite got to this point yet. But how many of you start to pray only to come to a point about two or three minutes in and you're just like, well, I just don't really know what to pray for. I I just, I'm not really sure when I'm doing that. In, In line with our hope for each one of you to reach one and for what I hope is your hope for each one of you to reach one, we want you to identify two or three people that you know already that don't know Jesus, right? I am sure if you put your mind to it, you can come up with that list pretty quickly. And I want you to write their names down. Just anywhere, but put that list somewhere that you won't fail to see it. If that's on the back of your phone, if it's in your wallet, if it's on your bedside table, if it's in a specific spot that you go to pray every day, Put that list there. Remind yourself to pray for those people. Secondly, I want you to set a time to pray. All right, so I, I had this romantic notion when I, when I found out that Nick was doing his devotions like before the sun came up. Um, I thought, I can definitely do that. That lasted about, uh, actually, it didn't even start, really. Um, all right, but set the time and stick to it. So don't set a time that you can't stick to. We have routines. All of us have routines. 
I don't have very many and they're not that good. But, but we all have routines, right? For some of us, that's mealtimes, bedtimes. For some of us, that's just the routine of going to work and coming home. Whatever it is, I want, you to, encourage, I want to encourage you that you need to connect your prayer time to one of those existing routines. Right? Creating new routines is hard. I'll put my hand up and just go, I have a lot of trouble creating new habits and new routines. It's so much easier when you connect them to existing habits and existing routines. So what would it look like if, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure that almost everybody here when they have an alarm that goes off in the morning doesn't get up immediately. Right? If you're anything like me, I have about five snoozes on my alarm and I use every single one of them. So if you got up when your alarm went off, and use that first 10 or 15 minutes to pray, that's some time in prayer. If you have a half-hour lunch break, I mean, if you have an hour lunch break, fantastic. But even if you have a half-hour lunch break, what would it look like for you to prioritize the first 10 minutes of that to pray? You don't have to pray for every problem that you know is occurring in the world every time you pray. Sometimes we feel like we do. We feel like the entire world's problems are something that we personally need to bring to God every time we pray. I want you to focus, and we as a church want you to focus on two or three people that you know that do not know Jesus and focus on them because Jesus is focusing on them. So first, we want to make a list. Second, we want to set a time to pray. And third, we want to make prayer a daily habit. Not a weekly habit, not a monthly habit, not a, you know, every six months I kind of, like, things go a bit pear-shaped and I pray then. Just like a lot of things, prayer can and does have an immediate effect. But the habit of praying daily will only strengthen and resolve your prayer life as well as the lives of the two or three people that you prioritize praying for. The fourth point that I had here was to pray that those people encounter Jesus. And I tried desperately to write something down here that I could share with you. But all that I could come up with is, if you love Jesus and you love those people, why would you not be praying for them to have an encounter with him? Like, all those of us here who've had an encounter with Jesus, that's something, like, even talking about it, I can remember that happening to me. Why would you not want those people that you love to have that? And so, make a list. Set a time to pray. Pray daily. Pray that those people encounter Jesus and pray for opportunity. Like Ephesians 6:19 says, "Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly made no- make known the mystery of the gospel." And I think that's a prayer that we need to be praying for ourselves. Because God will give us opportunities. We've just got to see them and have that tiny bit of courage to step into that. So, prayer is not just about words. It's about relationship. 
I want to say that again. So prayer is not just about words, it's about relationship. And so if prayer is about relationship, how do we build, strengthen and develop relationships with other people? Well, firstly, through prayer. Starts to become a little circular here, so follow with me. Um, Relationships are really important, right? But relationships are also sometimes difficult and very, very complicated. Anybody here who has had a relationship knows exactly that that is the case. I want to address address a very important and I'd say probably vital aspect of relationships that I think sometimes we choose not to talk about, and that's fear. Relationships can be scary. Many, many of us, if not all of us, are scared of rejection. I'm terrified of it. Right, like I'll put my hand up and just go, I don't like putting myself in situations where I can be rejected. Part of that's why getting up and talking is so scary. But sometimes that fear of rejection is what stops, of, stops you building deep, intimate and meaningful relationships with other people. What would have happened... If Jesus, who knew how many would reject him, avoided building relationships with any of those people who would reject him. Sorry, so to be clear, that was pretty much everyone. Like, I'm not 100% sure, but I would say that his ministry would have been slightly less effective. Um, Because we're not just talking about Judas, right? We're talking about Peter. You know, Peter, like the rock upon whom the church is built, we're talking about both of them. So when I started considering this week, I looked at speaking about habits that would support growth in our prayer life and then habits that would help with connecting and building relationships with people as two separate but somewhat connected ideas. But the more that I prayed and I thought about these things, the more I realized they weren't two separate things. Like They're in fact two sides of exactly the same coin. If you have faith and believe in Jesus, those two things, prayer and relationships, should not and cannot be separated. Matthew 20, 22, 37 to 39 says, and a lot of you will know this, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so how do we focus on relationships that demonstrate that? Not just, hey, I like you because, you know, because you let me borrow your mower. But I love you and I love you like, I love you like Jesus loves me. So, I want to get into it and just kind of say, that I, want, I want us to commit. So, I don't want to offer up an idea. Like I want us to commit today to a few different habits that strengthen our relationships and focuses on building relationships rooted in the love of Christ and his love for others. Only faith in Jesus and the outpouring of love that comes from your faith in Jesus can build relationships that transcend common interests and affection. 
and lead to transformed lives. And there's a big banner up the back which tells you that that's what we're about. We want to see lives transformed. Right, the verse that we read before, Matthew eleven nineteen, tells us that Jesus came eating and drinking. So it doesn't mean he rocked up on a donkey after going to McDonald's. Right? Not that didn't turn up having something to eat. He came and his ministry was based around relationship. It also tells us that the wisdom of that choice showed through the fruit of those relationships. So let's look at some practical steps, right? So practical steps that we can all take to not necessarily build more relationships, but to focus on those relationships that we already have and prove the wisdom of building strong, resilient, beneficial relationships by the fruit that comes from them. Firstly, and and this stuff I think you guys all know, sometimes we just need a bit of a refresher or we just need to recommit, I think. Firstly, we want to meet people where they are. We have a habit sometimes of seeking comfort more than sometimes, sometimes. Um, And we stay where we are because we get used to the way things work, but that wasn't the way that Jesus worked. Jesus didn't kind of set up a booth and just say, look, come and learn about God here. He went and met people where they were. He met them at the point in their life that they needed to meet him. Why? Why did Jesus do that? I won't won't read you the story, but there's a story in John 5, and I recommend that you go and read it, about a paralyzed man at a place called the Pool of Bethesda who could never quite get down when the water stirred to, to get healed. Right. He had no capacity to come to Jesus. He didn't have the ability to, to get up and go and find Jesus where he was at. But when Jesus saw him, Jesus went to him. We need to go to those that the Father loves. And just to clear that up, that's everybody. Right? He is calling us to go. Not to stay, not to wait, but to go. Secondly, you need to create margin for people. Right? There's a, there's a great message from oh, about a year and a half ago called Maxed Out to Margin, and I, I'll... Make sure that we send a link up um, on Facebook and YouTube and other places later for that. If that means scheduling into your calendar time that's put aside for catching up with people, then that's okay. For some of us, that's how we make time. That's how we, that's how we create margin. Again, as we shared in Matthew eleven nineteen, even Jesus came... Eating and drinking, right? Most of us, most of us have at least 21 meals a week. I would like to say I only have 21 meals a week, but that would be a lie. Um, every one of your meals, every single one of them, whether it's, whether it's 15 or whether it's 40, every one of them is a possible relationship building opportunity. Every one of those meals. How many of those opportunities 
are we sharing with other people? What would it look like for you to find one meal a week and invite someone who doesn't know Jesus to share it with you? If you're already doing that, what would it look like to find another meal a week and invite someone who doesn't know Jesus to come and share that with you? I think most of us know the story. Jesus fed 5,000 people, right, with five loaves of bread and two fish. And by what I understand, they weren't massive loaves or enormous fish. Those five loaves and two fish were given to him by a boy who just gave what he had. That was what he had and that's what he gave to Jesus. And look what happened. He gave what essentially, realistically, looks like nothing and created everything from that. What can you do, or what can Jesus do, if you give him your five tins of baked beans and two loaves of bread? Sounds a bit silly, but, you know, like, what can Jesus do with that? What can he do if you give him five dollars that's in your pocket and two hours spending time with someone. Or five minutes of your day with two people. Because Ephesians 3.20 says that he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. It's not about us providing a six-course meal. It's about us bringing what we have and Jesus using that. So, meet people where they're at. Create margin for those people. Third, I want to encourage you to up your ante. Hopefully most of you, that that sounds a bit rude if you don't know what it refers to, so please do look it up. Um, You may already be sharing a meal with someone each week, right? If you're not, we do want to encourage you to do that. If you are, what does it look like to share one more, as I was saying before? What would it look like to genuinely be interested? So when you're at the supermarket or when you bump into that person down the street, what would it look like to be genuinely interested in how someone is doing instead of just asking the question? What's your next step? Because your next step is going to look different than the person next to you. It's going to look different than me. It's going to look different from most people. Because we've all got our walks that we're on. We're all at a different place with Jesus. And finally, I just want to encourage you to remember that relationships take time. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Relationships, strong, healthy, resilient relationships are built with patience and understanding. And that's the love that you're called to show, all of you, every single one of you, through Christ-centered relationships. I just want to confirm, like some, some people when, when we talk about, about doing this and taking time for relationships with others, 
sit there and go, well, you know, like, like I'm an introvert, I need a lot of time for myself. And we all need time for ourselves. We need time with just us and Jesus. That's not something I'm debating at all. You know what you need. And God knows what you need. However, you need to know that you're also what other people need. Your light, your hope are desperately needed in this world. Who you're called to be to others is a vital part of God's kingdom. It is God's kingdom in this world right now. So I want to reinforce to you, it's not about what you have to give or when you have to give it. It doesn't have to be an hour of prayer at 5 a.m. every morning. It doesn't have to be six meals shared with other people. It's about giving what you have to Jesus through prayer and sharing what you've been blessed with with others through relationship. Because offering what you have with the intention of blessing others in the name of Christ will never return void. Good stuff, Carl. Thank you. Let's pray. Um, and in your hearts, encourage you um, that you may hopefully already have some people in mind that you can be praying for that don't yet know Jesus. And um, as Carl said, why wouldn't we? Jesus is the best news. So why wouldn't we pray that others encounter him? Um, but yeah, I'm going to pray for us, for them. You can pray for them in your hearts. Uh, and then we're going to worship again through song. And then we'll finish off with a few announcements. Um, but there'll be an opportunity for prayer after our final song. So if you want to, some of our elders will be up the front here. If you want prayer for anything to do with today, uh, that's come up for you. If you want prayer for any other reason, come and the elders will be up here and they'll pray with you. Or if you just want to pray, something on your heart that you want to pray with them, not be prayed for, but with them, um, come up and they'll pray for you after the final song. We'll turn the cameras off and stuff like that. There'll be space and time for prayer. But let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we, we lift up the Yas Valley to you. And we pray that it, every single one that makes up the Yas Valley community, we pray that they would encounter Jesus. We pray for us that we might be given opportunity and boldness to share the good news about Jesus, to share the love of Jesus through uh, the various ways that Christy talked about in the kids' message. We pray that we would become your love to this community. And we pray that you would guide us in building relationships. pray that you would lead us to those that you were calling us to. Even this morning now, I pray that you would highlight people that you would want us just to up our ante a little bit, to go a bit deeper in relationship with them. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in this valley as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.